If you were listening even ever so slightly to the readings we just heard, you probably noticed a theme running through them. There is one very obvious theme today. Did you catch it? It's leprosy. Did you pick that up listening to the readings? The whole first reading was about what lepers have to do so as not to contaminate people. And the whole gospel was about a leper whom Jesus heals of his leprosy. Now, for any little kids out there today, I just want to make it clear from the start of my homily that I'm talking about lepers and not leopards. Because I've given homilies in the past about lepers where kids thought I was talking about leopards the whole time. So we're talking about lepers. And a leper is someone who has a skin disease called leprosy. Today we call it Hansen's disease, and it can be cured by medicine today, but at the time of Jesus, there was no cure for leprosy. Over time, it would spread all over your body, and eventually it would deform your face and your hands and your feet, and it was a very painful disease to have. At the time of Jesus, lepers had to wear clothes that were torn, and keep their heads uncovered. And anytime they went anywhere, they had to either ring a bell or they had to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people would know that they were coming. People were so afraid of catching leprosy that they would reject anybody who had it, even if it was their brother or sister. So lepers ended up feeling really, really isolated, even from their own families. Lepers were also forbidden from going to the temple to worship God because the temple was so crowded, so they also ended up feeling separated and isolated from God. If you want to understand what it was like to be a leper at the time of Jesus, just think back to the spring of 2020. Many people were sick with a strange disease. We were all isolated from each other, and we weren't even allowed to go to church. Well, how we felt in the spring of 2020, that's how lepers felt their whole life long until they died at the time of Jesus. Now, anytime we hear about leprosy in the Bible, what are we supposed to think of? What does leprosy always represent on a spiritual level in the Bible? You know it. Sin, right? Leprosy always stands for sin. Just think about everything I just said about leprosy and apply it to the soul. When, it, when the soul's in sin. Sin makes the soul sick, right? Sin isolates us from each other. Sin separates us from God. Sin is leprosy of the soul. So since our readings today are all about leprosy, and since leprosy is a symbol of sin, what I want to do with the few minutes I have with you is give you a little catechesis on sin. I want to give you a little lesson on sin. Hopefully you already know everything I'm about to say, and if you don't, hopefully you learn something that will help you to grow in your spiritual life. So, sin. What is sin? Let me give you the best definition I ever heard of sin. It goes like this. Sin is any time I say to God, God, I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it, so I'm going to do what I want to do. Let me just say that one more time so it really sinks in. Sin is any time I say to God, God, I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to do what you want me to do, so I'm going to do what I want to do. 
and then I do what I want to do. That's the best definition of sin I ever heard. When we say that, we're sinning because we're disobeying God. We're choosing our will over God's will. And every time we sin, no matter how small the sin is, no matter how private the sin is, our sin has a ripple effect on the whole world. And I mean a negative ripple effect. Every time we sin, no matter how small, no matter how private, our sin weakens the whole body of Christ. And in God's eyes, sin is the worst evil in the whole world. To God, one deliberate sin, even a venial sin, is worse than all of the earthquakes, avalanches, and mudslides in the world. There is no evil in the world greater than sin. And if you want to know how evil sin is, just look at a crucifix and see the price that Jesus had to pay for sin. And that'll give you an idea of how evil it is. And sin always leads to sadness. We think it'll make us happy. That's why we do it. We wouldn't do it if we didn't think it would make us happy, but it never delivers on that promise. Sin always leads to sadness. Now, do you all remember growing up, learning about the two types of sin that we can commit? Do you remember that, two types of sin? Those of you who are shaking your head, I guess, I would guess you're probably thinking mortal and venial, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about sins of commission and sins of omission. Does that ring a bell? Do you all remember learning about sins of commission and sins of omission? We gotta know our stuff. A sin of commission is when we do something that we're not supposed to do, like lie, cheat, or steal. A sin of omission is when we don't do something that we're supposed to do, like go to Mass. I heard once about a group of third graders in a CCD class, and the teacher asked the children, who knows what a sin of omission is? And one little boy raised his hand and he said, it's when you have an opportunity to sin and you don't take it. <laughs> that is not what we mean by a sin of omission. A sin of omission is when you don't do some good thing that you're supposed to do. And interestingly, several mystics have said that when we die and we face Jesus at the end of our lives, we're actually going to feel worse about our sins of omission than we feel about our sins of commission. Meaning, at the end of our lives, we're going to feel worse about all the good things we could have done and didn't do than about the bad things we did, according to many mystics. So these are the two types of sin, sins of commission and sins of omission. And if you think about it, we acknowledge those two types of sin at the beginning of every Mass when we say, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. In what I have done, sins of commission, and what I have failed to do, sins of omission. So once you get that straight, then you have the two degrees of gravity of sin the two levels of seriousness. That's where we get mortal and venial that you were thinking about a few minutes ago. We probably all learned about mortal sins and venial sins in the second or third grade. Mortal sins are the really bad ones. Venial sins are the less bad ones. They're still bad, but they're not as bad as mortal sins. In the first letter of St. John in the Bible, St. John says that there are some sins that are deadly, and some sins that are not deadly. Mortal sins are the deadly ones. They cut us off from God. They take away from us the grace that we got at baptism that we have to have in our souls to go to heaven when we die. 
If we commit a mortal sin, what can we not receive when we go to Mass? The Eucharist, Holy Communion. And a person who knowingly and deliberately commits a mortal sin becomes spiritually dead. St. John Vianney once said that if we had real faith and we could see the soul of a person in the state of mortal sin, we would die of horror because it would be so ugly. Some examples of mortal sin would be murder, adultery, sexual relations outside of marriage, cohabitation, extreme hatred, domestic abuse, telling a serious lie, stealing a large amount of money, getting married outside the Catholic Church when one of the two partners is Catholic, receiving the Eucharist with a mortal sin on your soul, and deliberately skipping Sunday Mass when you could go. Those are all mortal sins. Venial sins, on the other hand, are the sins that aren't deadly. They hurt us, but they don't kill us. Some examples of venial sins would be impatience, telling white lies, petty gossip, procrastination, not praying every day, laziness, breaking minor traffic laws. Those are all venial sins. We all commit venial sins almost every day. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, even the just man sins seven times in a day. We're all sinners. We all commit venial sins, and some, if not many of us, commit mortal sins, but we all commit venial sins, probably every day. Now, that's the bad news, everybody. What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. And because Jesus did that for us, there is no sin so big that Jesus can't forgive it as long as we're sorry for it and we're willing to try to turn away from it. Even if we committed a million mortal sins in our lifetime, Jesus would forgive us a million times as long as we're sorry for our sin and we're willing to turn away from it. That's hard for us to get our minds around because we don't usually meet people in life who are willing to forgive us that much, but Jesus is. He died on the cross for it. How do we get Jesus' forgiveness? Well, there's two ways, and here I want to ask you, invite you to contemplate one image from today's gospel. In today's gospel, the leper goes up to Jesus and he says, if you wish, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I do wish, be made clean. Then Jesus stretches out his hand and he heals the leper of his leprosy. Catch that detail. He stretches out his hand. Well, in our lives, we come to the church with the leprosy of our sin, and the priests act in the person of Jesus to heal us of our leprosy. What are two moments when the priest stretches out his hand to us? Just think about it for a second. What are two moments when the priest stretches out his hand to us? Yeah, well, one is absolution, and the other is when he hands us communion. Every time the priest gives someone absolution and confession, he stretches out his hand, right? Even if you go to confession behind the screen, you can't see him, but the priest is putting his hand out, and he's saying, I absolve you from your sins. And every time the priest absolves you from your sins in confession, all your mortal sins are erased off your soul. The only ordinary way that we can have our mortal sins forgiven is confession. There's no other way. You have to go to confession. 
While I'm on the to topic, I just want to clear up one misconception that I hear a lot. I'll form it as a question. If you commit a mortal sin, is it enough for you to make an act of contrition while you're walking up for communion to be able to receive the Eucharist? No, no, it's not. But I hear a lot of people say that. That's a myth that's going around. That's not enough. You have to go to confession. You cannot just say the act of contrition. So to be forgiven of our mortal sins, we go to confession. And once we do that, we're forgiven. So the priest stretches out his hand in absolution. The priest also stretches his hand out at Mass every time he gives us communion. And every time we receive communion, all the venial sins are wiped off of our soul. Did you all know that? Did you learn that growing up? Every time you receive communion, all of your venial sins are forgiven. That means that if right now, if you came here and you're in the state of grace right now, but you have venial sins on your soul, which most of us probably do, if you come up and receive communion today, when you leave Mass, your soul is going to be spotless, spot-free, totally clean. Because every time we receive the Eucharist, our venial sins are forgiven. You see, everybody, this beautiful scene from today's Gospel is being replayed every day of the year in the Catholic Church. We come to the church with the leprosy of our sin, and Jesus heals us of our leprosy through his priests as they stretch out their hands to give us absolution and communion. And even we priests are lepers, and we ourselves get healed of our own leprosy when other priests extend their hands over us. You know, when I was in seminary, I couldn't wait to become a priest because I thought I could just confess to myself and give myself absolution in the mirror. And then they broke the news to me that I have to go to another priest for confession. I was so disappointed. Even we priests have to be forgiven by other priests. We're all in the same boat as fellow sinners. And when a priest forgives your sins, it's just one sinner forgiving the sins of another sinner. Now, today, February 11th, it's not just the sixth Sunday of ordinary time. It's not just Super Bowl Sunday. It's also the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, which the church designates as the World Day for the Sick. Today we remember and we pray in a special way for all of the sick and suffering people in our lives, especially the sick and the suffering in our parish, the sick and the suffering in our families. Today would be a really good day before the, the night is out to call somebody you know who's sick and just express your solidarity with them. But today we're also reminded that the greatest sickness of all is not sickness of the body. It's sickness of the soul, which is sin. And we thank God that Jesus has given us a medicine for sickness of the soul that always works without fail. For our venial sins, it's the Eucharist. And for our mortal sins, it's confession. Brothers and sisters, let us never take these two sacraments for granted. Let's go to them as often as we can. And let's remember that every time we receive them, Jesus himself reaches out his hand and heals us of our leprosy.